Jesse and I have been talking about this for a couple weeks, how best to do this. And he was telling me about a church he knew that the church started. So, by the way, it wasn't Dave and Jared who were late this morning. I, I had them in the back room waiting. It was an object lesson. So Jared was telling me about this church. That church started. The pastor said, oh, we're just waiting on the musicians. And he sat down. And then an hour later, he got up and closed in prayer. And I was like, oh, Jesse, I don't know if I could do 90 minutes. <laughs> I said, besides, Cana, they would just start talking and go have coffee. <laughs> but anyway, I hate waiting. Whether it's waiting on the phone for the next available representative, waiting in a traffic jam, waiting for delayed planes, waiting to get better when you're sick. I, I just hate waiting. And I think like with everything else that gets us all worked up, the reason we hate to wait is because of fear. And hear me out. Obviously, you weren't afraid of anything right now. But just hear me out on this fear thing. It's subtle. But when we're just sitting there doing nothing, we're not in control, are we? When you're sitting waiting for a representative on the phone and you're listening to that music that constantly gets interrupted, thank you for your patience. The next event, and you're going out of your mind. You're not in control. And that's fear. We like to be in control. See, because we're not in control, all sorts of bad things could happen to us, right? So we need to be in control. We have to act. We have to do. We're doers. We're not waiters. Human beings are not waiters. Fear, even in small amounts, it's so insidious. We talk about fear all the time here at Canada because it drives and dominates our lives, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. But we fear that what we want, what we need, may not happen if we just wait for it. But interestingly, at the beginning of the Christmas story, all the major characters, all the major characters are waiting. Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah are waiting. Mary and her husband Joseph are waiting. Even the prophetess Anna and her husband Simeon, that's who we read about in Luke 2, they are waiting. And here's what's fascinating. All of them hear something very similar while they're waiting. They all hear, don't be afraid. For behold, don't be afraid, I have wonderful news for you. And isn't this the gospel? I mean, honestly, that's the gospel. Don't be afraid. No matter how dark it gets, God is coming. God is coming. That's the good news. That's what we're celebrating. All of these characters that we find at the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ are waiting for something wonderful. Something they want, something they need. There it is. And the angels show up and say, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have good news for you. Just wait a little longer. They are the waiting remnants of Israel that the ancient prophet wrote about. And what they are waiting for is they are waiting for redemption. This promised redemption from the beginning of time. So, we're in the Advent season. Started last week. This is the second Sunday of Advent. That's why it, it's so nice. Remember when we were at the temple? And, we, and we, it didn't look like this, did it? This is so nice to have all this, these things. There's the Advent calendar. We, I mean, the Advent cal- candle. We, we, we don't do that, but it's nice to be in the space where they have all this. So, Advent literally means arrival. That's what Advent means. So, whenever you've heard that, it means arrival. It's arrival. And in Christendom, this is the time that we await the arrival of the Christ, both child and king. Both child and king. See, Advent includes two arrivals. Number one, it's the, that of the Christ child. 
we're all familiar with that part of Advent, when we await and celebrate the, the birth of Jesus as it happened then, and we celebrate the waiting for and finally the birth of Christ in us now. For that's what St. Paul talked about, right? When he said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, we are to become like Christ. We're to be, the Christ child is to be born in us. That's why I love that prayer of yours this morning, Craig, when you were just talking about the simplicity of this whole point of living. Christ in us. It was beautiful. I was going to actually have you just repeat that for my sermon this morning because it was really beautiful. But the second arrival is that of Christ King. So this is why on the first Sunday of Advent, which was last week, which we don't follow the lexicon, but had we, fo had, had we followed it, the lectionary, um, excuse me, one of the readings on the first Sunday of Advent is always the gospel in which Christ speaks of his coming again. He speaks of his last days, two arrivals. So I really like the way Leonard Vanderzee understands the connection of these two arrivals. This is such a powerful thing. Christ's first and second comings belong precisely together. One coming of God demands another. Think about this. This is so brilliant that he points this out. If Christmas is about God's becoming a helpless child and about the hopes and fears of all the years meeting in Bethlehem, then he has to come again. He has to. See, the promise of the first advent insists on a second because clearly God is not finished yet. The nations have not beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. And we know that. 2,000 years later, this promise of peace on earth is no more real today than it was 2,000 years ago. So if that was the coming of God that we are celebrating during Advent, if what we believe is true, that God came then, then he has to come again. He has to. Because this promise of peace on earth isn't here yet. And here's the thing. The same desperation and pain of life that caused people for millennia to hope for the first coming remains remains the very real impetus for all of us to hope for the second. We all know pain. We all know suffering. We all want peace. And so we wait again. And so in some ways, our lives as Christians are an Advent season. From the time we're born to the time we, we pass on to the next world. It's an Advent season. That's what our lives are. Waiting. Waiting. And so this morning, I want to explore what this waiting is all about, because I think it may be absolutely essential. Absolutely essential to our movement into authentic human being, into redemption, into the kingdom of God. And because most of us aren't good at waiting, it's probably something really important that we, we, we should talk about. So, let's start here with this incredibly powerful statement Elizabeth makes when Mary shows up at her house. Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Mary believed that what was promised would come. Mary believed that what was promised would come. Mary was not an unwilling vessel God used to become incarnate. She was not an unwilling vessel God used to become incarnate. She was given a choice, and she chose to believe that what the angel said was true, and that it would happen. She believed. The birth of Christ happened because Mary chose to believe it would, not because of anything she did. This is huge to catch. Huge. This is exactly what we find when we read the book of Titus, one of the most beautiful verses in Scripture. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, 
Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. I love that. I love that. We talk about this all the time. But here is the rub. This is the rub. We're doers, not waiters, right? That's what we are. This is why the good news is so hard for us. It's so hard. Mary, though, did not do anything. She waited. Mary didn't make a list of rules to follow. She did not run around crazy like auditioning to be the child of the to be the mother of the Christ child. She did not beat herself up for past mistakes. She did not put all her human energy and efforts into being a good person. She simply believed and waited for it to happen. I love that. You know, I spend in my life so much time trying to make redemption happen in me. I do everything I can think of to make God happy and please so he'll bless me and he'll wave his magic wand and make me into the person he wants me to be. Do, 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 do. And I really want to be that person God wants to make me. I do. See, I want to be redeemed. It's not some distant thing I'm unsure of. I definitely want redemption. I definitely want to be transformed. See, I, I want to go through life loving unconditionally because life is really hard when you don't love unconditionally because everyone's always letting you down. And so then you just are reacting constantly and you're suffering constantly because you can't love unconditionally. Right? So I, I want that desperately. I want to exercise grace without limits. I want to. Again, you can, how do you live in this world? If, if you don't exercise grace, then here's your other option. Hey, there's no other option. Because you get so... No, you can say, well, well there is, you know, and righteous anger. And you, no, that just leads you down to this hole of hate. So I want to exercise grace without limits. I, I want to exercise forgiveness without restraint. I'm always putting conditions on my forgiveness. Yeah, well, don't do it again. That's not forgiveness. That's just a condition. Uh, I want these things so bad. I want to be like Christ. I want my demons to go away. I want to know peace. I want to know freedom. I want to know hope. I want to know this, this thing, this angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy. I want this. And so what I'm learning, though, in studying the Advent now, is that maybe I need to start waiting. Start believing, believing, really believing that Christ will come and will be born in me, just as he was born in Mary. Mary was given a promise and was waiting for the fulfillment of that promise. She was able to wait because waiting is ultimately about faith, or perhaps I should say faith is ultimately about waiting. Faith is ultimately about waiting. That's Titus. That's a new way of thinking of faith, isn't it? For a lot of us, that's probably a paradigm shift in the way we understand Christianity. Do, 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 do. But maybe faith is about waiting. In his book, Sabbatical Journeys, Henry Noun shared about some of his friends who were trapeze artists. So he, he had friends and they, they were trapeze artists. I, I can't remember if they were in a circus or if they were in Cirque du Soleil, but anyway, either way, this is what they explained to Noun. They, they, they told him that there was a very intimate relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. So everyone's seen a trapeze act, I hope? You know when you got people are all swinging, but some people constantly swing and other people let go and, and all that? Okay, flyers and catchers. And there's this intimate relationship 
At the moment in the routine, when the flyer lets go of the trapeze and flies through the air, his or her responsibility in that relationship is to simply fly and wait to be caught. That's it. That's all they're supposed to do. In fact, one of the artists said to now, and this is a direct quote, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. If the flyer tries to catch the catcher in a trapeze act, bad things happen. It's not their job. Their job is to fly. The flyer must wait and have faith that she will be caught. That is a powerful illustration, isn't it? A powerful metaphor. We are not the savior. We are the saved. We can't save. We have to be saved. So now when... Capturing this, he write, uh, in the context of the incarnation, this is what Noun had to say about it as part of our opening quote. He says, the spiritual life is a life in which we wait, actively present to the moment, trusting that new things will happen to us, new things that are far beyond our own imagination, fantasy, or prediction. The secret of waiting is the faith that the seed has been planted, that something has begun. Something has begun. I love that. Something has begun. And Loretta Ross Goddard wrote along these same lines. What matters in the deeper experience of waiting is not the doing and accomplishing. What matters is relationship, the being with. We create holy ground and give birth to Christ in our time, not by doing, but by believing and by loving the mysterious infinite one who stirs within. Now, here's, here's this thing. This requires trust that something of great and saving importance is growing and kicking its heels in you. Oh, I love that. How many of us trust that it's happening in us? That Christ is being born in us? How many? But this is our reality. It's true. So, you know when you see a woman very pregnant, you know, very, very, very pregnant, like, it's time. And you're always careful. Well, you, I, I hope you're always careful around a woman that's very, very pregnant. You know, getting out of the elevator, you get way out of the way. Coming to the door, you hold it extra wide open. If you have little ones, don't, don't bump. You know, you're just careful. And you're understanding and appreciative. If you've ever been married to a very pregnant woman and they go to the bathroom 20 times a night, you're very understanding of that. Or at least you try to be understanding. Or I was pretty understanding, huh? Once every now and then. <laughs> I just didn't understand why I had to be woken up because she had to go to the bathroom. That's what always confused me. Like, yes, I know you have to go 15 times. All right, she's giving me a really evil eye, so I have to get off of that conversation. But listen, you know how you're careful about that and you understand. Imagine this. If everyone we saw we saw them as pregnant with God. That's what we are. We're pregnant with God. Wanting to be born in us. You know, sometimes we have patience with ourselves a lot. When we're really not living that Christ-like life. But boy, we're impatient with others, aren't we? Especially those who should know better. Those Christians. Sam and I often put our grace aside and talk about those Christians. But imagine if we were more gentle and tender and patient. 
and saw someone as pregnant with God, waiting. It will come. It will happen. See, this whole imagery is really the whole mystery of Advent, isn't it? Isn't it? This is the mystery of grace in beautiful poetic imagery. Grace saves and grace transforms. The Christmas story really is the mystery of grace in action. The Christmas story is a metaphor for how grace works. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, here's a question. Can we believe this? Can we wait for our redemption? Can we wait for our transformation? Can we wait for others' transformation and redemption? But let's not be confused. Waiting is not passive. Here's where it gets tricky. Here's where the grace thing gets tricky. It's not passive. It's active faith. See, waiting is being present in this moment, in the now. And it's, it's receiving the grace to be like Christ now. Now. Believing that right now, God wants to make us like Christ for this moment. This moment. Whatever our moment is. Whether it's a wonderful moment or a horrible moment. It's letting Christ be born in us now for this moment. And here's the amazing thing. You know, we tend, as well, I tend to, when things get bad, I tend to be less waiting on God. But that's exactly when we need Christ born in us the most when things are bad, right? There's the beauty of bad things, if you will. If we're patient, He will be born in us. Exactly then. It's letting go of the fear of tomorrow. The fear of our past is letting go of the fear of whatever our circumstances are right now and trusting for Christ to be born in us. And more, it's letting go of our expectations and allowing the Christ to be born in us as He wishes. And I think this is the biggest rub of all of Christianity. Right here, what I'm about to say. See, notice what Mary said to Gabriel. May it be to me as you have said. This is maybe the most frightening verse in all of Scripture. But because Mary could say it, Christ was born. The Savior of the world came because of this. Let, let's develop this. See, I'm sure Mary had her dreams of how this could work. A nice, big, heavenly announcement letting everyone know she was carrying the Christ child. An understanding husband. An easy pregnancy and labor. A fine home for the baby to be born in. And an army of angels to help him set up his kingdom. In which she was the queen mother. I'm sure she had these dreams and expectations. She was human. But instead, she had to flee her home because people accused her of adultery. And being illegitimately pregnant. When Joseph finally came around and was convinced it was God and not neighbor that got his bride pregnant. They had to travel far away to register. Then she goes into labor while in Bethlehem and gives birth in a barn. Then they have to flee to Egypt and live as refugees for 12 years. And I want to go off my nose for one second and, and make a side, side comment here. When God became a man, when God became a human being, 
He spent the first 12 years of his life on this planet as a refugee. Let that sink in. In our time and space. God, in the flesh, spent his first 12 years as a refugee. I am so thankful Canaan Community Church is involved as best as we can be in welcoming refugees and helping them establish themselves in a better place. God lived as a refugee. Thank God Egypt took them in. Back to this. Then the child grows up and he gets crucified. You see, this is why the gospel is so hard. There is no way Mary dreamed of any of this. These could not have been her expectations. But, may it be to me as you have said, full stop. No qualifiers. All right, Gabriel, I'll do this, but it has to go smooth for me. I've got to live here. I've got to be the queen. I've got... Waiting for God to come in us is not about our expectations. It's about giving them up. So his kingdom comes, not ours. But think about this, and here's the beauty. is As difficult as grace is, here's the beauty of grace. Isn't that the kingdom we want anyway? I mean, how's our kingdom doing? Honestly. And when I say our kingdom, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't just mean our empire that we live in. I'm talking about our own little world kingdom. How are we doing with running our own little worlds? I'm doing horrible, I will confess. Horrible. And yet, we spend all our time trying to get God to bless our plans and our lives and fix us and make us special. And di- Why do we insist on our kingdom and being on our throne? Look, look. Mary had peace. Sorrow, sure. Pain and suffering, sure, but a ton of peace. May it be to me as you have said. And that leads to finally just wrap this this up here. This leads to two practical aspects of waiting. Waiting. How do we wait? Well, one is prayer. But not prayer as we tend to always think of it. Not prayer as in talking to God, talking at God, seeking His help to make us lives better according to our standards, but prayer as in listening to God. Listening to God. Discovering what God wants for us, what God wants to do through us and in the world. So here's a question. As we started to get uneasy today with the waiting for the music, and I was in the back as, as, as we were just waiting, my son actually pointed out, you picked the perfect song to open with. My son pointed out, he goes, Dad, perfect song for right now. Because it said, let all mortal flesh keep silent. 
And then all of a sudden the head started to turn. Where's Dave? Jen was like, where's my husband? I'm going to kill him. And everyone was doing. And then I saw a couple people turn to their phones. And... But how many of us, if any of us, simply went into listening to God mode? Took time to sit with Him and listen to what this moment of waiting may be all about. Active waiting is actively listening to God. It's actively saying to God, let it be with me just as you say. So in order to know what He says, we need to hear what God is saying He wants for us. Now listen, if you're like me, I know this is part of your life that probably needs much practice and improvement. But this is where faith comes in. This is where trust comes in. If we believe God is talking to us and wants to be born in us, then I think we'll practice learning to listen. Remember many months ago I used the illustration of doctors? We all probably have more faith in our doctors than we do in God. Because we go to our doctors, they tell us what to do, and we follow their directions. That's just... The definition of faith. Trusting that God of this universe who promised peace on earth. Let's practice listening to him. And the second part of this act of waiting, this is the part I referred to earlier during the announcements, is community. Mary went to Elizabeth and together they waited for the promise. This is such a beautiful example of what community is. You know, people want to write about church and theologians will write about church and they'll read the New Testament to tell you what church should be, yada, yada, yada. No one ever goes to Luke chapter 1. This, this is all we need to know about church. I love this. This is a beautiful example of what community is for. Here's what community is for. To affirm for each other that redemption comes. Just as Mary and Elizabeth affirmed for each other the promise they were waiting for. It is coming together and reminding each other of this promise of redemption, of transformation. It is affirming that it is already growing inside of us. We are all being redeemed. We're all being transformed. It's telling each other to have faith that what Christ has promised, He will do. It's encouraging each other that no matter what happens to us in this dark and chaotic world, Christ is coming and we can trust and be courageous in the very face of all our fears. You know, many of us know the hard time Raquel is going through. She tells me all the time, because sometimes I say, you know, if, if, you know, I know you're busy, if you can't be, she goes, no, I have to be there. I have to be at church. That's what church is. Someone that is in the middle of a horrific experience needs to be here so this can all be affirmed. That love wins and hate loses. That's what community is. That's what waiting is. It reminds us that God is love even when hate is all around. That God is life even when death seems to be everywhere. We come together and we wait. That's what church is. We wait. And that's why in community we read the word. So that while we read, while we wait together, the word, small w, becomes flesh and becomes the word, capital W, in us. And that's why every week we celebrate the communion together. It is part of our waiting as we say thank you God for being conceived in us. For growing in us. 
This act of communion is, is thanking him for the redemption we believe comes, the redemption we are waiting for. This is Mary and Elizabeth coming together. It's beautiful. So perhaps we should learn to wait as Mary and Elizabeth did. Our kids are done, so we're almost done. Jesus said this. Jesus said in John, apart from me, you can do nothing. How many Christians in Christian churches act as though it's the other way around? Apart from us, God can do nothing. As if Christmas won't come without our help. But that's not true. It will come without our help. That's what even the Grinch found out. It came without packages, boxes, and bags. And yes, I get that into one sermon every year at Advent. I know, for those of you that have been around for eight years, yes, and I just got it the first week. It came without packages, boxes, and bags. Here's the reality. God asks us to wait. He's asking us to wait. To believe, to receive the Christ child. The wise men had their gifts. Peter and Paul had their preaching. Some characters in the... New Testament had wonderful deeds for others. Mary only had herself and her faith. But what was it that delivered Christ to the world? Loretta Ross Goddess says, preaching, writing, scholarship, social justice, those are all gifts worth sharing. But preachers grow old and lose their charisma. Scholarship grows pedantic. Social justice cannot save us. In the end, when all other human gifts have met their inevitable limitations, it is the waiting one, the bold virgin with a heart in love with God, who makes a sanctuary of her life, who delivers Christ, who then delivers us. Let's all wait this Christmas. Let's be like Mary and allow this Christ child. Teenage girl in a suit.